informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome in to AOA, Agriculture of America, here today. Thanks for being with us as we talk about what is happening in farming, ranching, and across rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's AOA brought to you by our friends at Cenex with Cenex Premium Diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL and Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster. They have everyday products powered locally keep your operation running. That's Cenex. Find your nearest Cenex location online. Just go to Cenex.com. Got a great show coming up for you today. It's segment two. We're going to talk with the president of the National Farmers Union. Rob LaRue will be joining us. We're going to get his thoughts. He's getting ready to take a trip over to COP28 over in the Middle East, and we're going to learn more about that and have a a broader conversation with Rob LaRue coming up in segment two here today. In segment three, we are going to talk with Mike Seifert from the National Grain and Feed Association. They have their conference coming up next week in Louisville, Kentucky. We're also going to get a rail and logistics update with Mike, and that's coming up here after the bottom of the hour today. And then in segment four, I'll have a look at some of the latest news headlines surrounding agriculture. Got a few things we're watching closely, including comments uh, from Senator Chuck Grassley calling for retaliation against Canada after the recent uh, ruling on the USMCA dispute panel over dairy between the U.S. and Canada. We're going to hear those comments and more coming up at the end of the show today. First up, though. Let's take a look at what's going on in the markets here midweek. Joining us now for analysis, Garrett Toy with Ag Trader Talk is back with us on AOA. Garrett, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We did. We did. We uh, got to do some traveling back to Iowa and see some family, but no, it was a great holiday. How are you been? I am. I've been fantastic. A little under the weather, but uh, you know, I got to enjoy my my fill of uh, Thanksgiving turkey and sides and all that stuff too. So happy to uh, have you back on the show and uh, glad uh, you had a good holiday. Let's talk about what's going on in this market uh, here, Garrett. And um, I'll, I'll start with the bright spot so far on Wednesday. Wheat. What's going on in wheat? Two straight days uh, moving higher after we set new contract lows across the board. Uh, uh, I'm wondering, uh, is this just a, a little bounce here as we overdid this to the downside? I know Russia's got a lot of wheat out there. That's been a big driver and an impact on this wheat market here for a while, hasn't it? It, it is. It's starting to ease a little bit. I mean, there's been rumors this week that uh, Russia's exploring some sort of a, an export ban. Um, early in the week, uh, the entire world wheat complex is kind of was lower. Um, you had uh, Matif Weaker... Uh, which is the, the European Union wheat that traded to new two-year lows. Um, we got Chicago, the, the U.S. complexes all traded to new contract lows. Um, you had talk, you know, we, China has been actively buying, uh, you know, French wheat, European wheat. Um, they've been buying U.S. soft red wheat. They've been buying Canadian wheat. And there was news this week that, um, that the Chinese buyers had asked the, the European shippers or the French shippers uh, to delay their December purchases out to March. Well, <clears throat> you kind of read between the lines on some of this. 
Uh, U.S. wheat is cheaper. In fact, you know, the, the, you look at the European wheat lineups. There's only about two or three cargos out there. Their, their silos are full, uh, mm -hmm. but U.S. wheat is cheaper. So maybe China's China might cancel some of those cargos potentially, uh, shift those back to U.S. soft red wheat. The U.S. soft red wheat commitments are to China are about 800,000 tons, which is about uh, 10 year highs for them. Uh, but we're the cheapest wheat, and you know they've, we've we've got their attention, and, and maybe there could be some switching here. So that's on some support. That being said, though, I mean it's the KC, it's the hard red wheat that's actually leading the the, the wheat complex higher here. Um, you know, again, new contract lows. A lot of people looking for some sort of bottoming action here that might uh, uh, support things, but uh, it's it's not lending any sort of support whatsoever to the real crops. They're kind of all in their own different uh, universe over here today. Yeah, wheat has not really uh, been helping out corn. Corn's just kind of been struggling here. I know we set new contract lows in March corn earlier this week here, Garrett. I mean, what's going on in this corn market? Is there any good news right now? Well, I mean, we, we've, we've got slow harvest in the east, Indiana, Ohio. We have big crops out there. We have wet crops, uh, basis uh uh, has been falling to historically low levels out there as they try to struggle to get this uh, this crop put away. Uh, some of the weak basis might be moving west. You know, we've got uh, quite a divergence in basis premiums in the west. Um, and there might be some opportunities out here for the reseller markets that's buying this cheap eastern corn belt basis and, and moving it west. But um, you know, I think a, a lot of the price action this week is just tied to first notice day, today's position day. So specs have to be down to the position limits. Um, and uh, tomorrow's first notice day, so any longs tonight will be subject to delivery. Um, but you know, part of that is open interest liquidation in December. We went down, uh, pegged the 450 level, or in fact, uh, yesterday's lows was 450 and a quarter. We held 450 overnight, and then when we reopened after the biscuit break, uh, we traded down the new lows at 448, and that's kind of where we're at right now. But it's all part of open interest liquidation. Um, we'll see what deliveries are going to be. I think wheat deliveries are going to be, you know, three to 500 contracts. Uh, corn deliveries are going to be anywhere from two to four hundred contracts. Even though there's only about four contracts registered for delivery uh, to, to, uh, as of as of right now, but that'll change mm -hmm. tonight. But uh, but I think deliveries and meal will probably be minimal as well as soybean oil as well because uh, cash premiums there are just uh, too dang strong. Garrett, I want to ask you about soybeans too before we run out of time. We uh, bounced off that two hundred day moving average early in the week, and uh, we rallied some, but then. I know we're down a little bit so far on Wednesday. What's your take in the soybean complex right now? We had a nice reversal overnight. A lot of people were watching that 1350 level, uh, which was the high yesterday. We we call it a crazy item. We, we, we broke through that overnight, but when the day session reopened, we, we kind of faltered. We're down three right now. 1343.5. The overnight highs, or the, the yeah, the overnight highs are 1352. Uh, beans are stuck in. Uh, it's a it's a wedge pattern here. We've got about 40 cent range. Uh, we're kind of flirting with this 100 day moving average at 1347 right now. But you know, beans right now are in a 1344 to 1382 type range. 1387, uh, give or take a nickel on either side. It's, it's a it's a narrowing wedge off of that July high and, and, and as resistance and support off the October lows. So, um, you know, we, we've got 
We've got lower highs uh, in here. We're, we're holding this 200-day moving average. Uh, the one thing I will say is, is the weekly charts last the last two weeks, um, any sort of rally, you look at the weekly ranges, we, we trade like a, a 60 cent range, but you know the net change is only a nickel or so. So the net changes don't look as bad as what the daily ranges or what the weekly ranges were, and fairly significant selling tails uh, on, on, on rallies and beans uh, out here. Um, we're still trading the South American weather, and, and that can change at any minute. Garrett, 30 seconds on the cattle market. It's been volatile. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, first things first, limit move for today since yesterday's feeder market uh, uh, limit move. Uh, feed, limit for today in feeders is 12 and a quarter. Um, you know, we, we were $15 under the index. Um, we recovered yesterday. I think we're kind of in, in no man's land here for the time being uh, after the, the sell-off and subsequent recovery. Um, but, um, you know, I think everyone expects cash to be slightly weaker this week, but uh, a lot of it's just market gyrations. Garrett Toy, Ag Trader Talk. Always good to have you on with us here on AOA. Thanks for joining us, Garrett. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, sir. All right. Coming up next, we'll talk with Rob LaRue from the National Farmers Union here on AOA, brought to you by Cedex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Back with more right after this. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. 
I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Great vision doesn't require great sight. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Make your impact today. Donate now at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, which comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. That is Cenex Premium Diesel. Well, as we continue here on today's program, joining us now for a conversation, got a few different topics to discuss, including the recent Farm Bill extension and the upcoming uh, climate change conference of the United Nations happening in the United Arab Emirates here. Joining us now for that discussion, National Farmers Union President Rob LaRue is with us. Rob, it's great to have you back on AOA with me. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, first off, let's start here at home with the Farm Bill extension. We got that out of the way here a few weeks ago, giving us a, a little bit of certainty, at least, as we move through the holidays and get into next year, extending the 2018 Farm Bill. Of course, though, we still got to get a new five-year Farm Bill done. We're moving into an election year, a presidential election year. So just for starters, Rob, uh, your thoughts on getting that Farm Bill extension and where we go from here? Well, I, I tell you, uh, uh, Congress may not be good at, uh, at getting a lot of things done, but one thing that they've proven that they can do is kick the can uh, further down the road. And, you know, it, it is positive that we have that breathing room now to, to get a farm bill done, but it certainly doesn't take any of the pressure off uh, timing and the need to get it done as quickly as possible. We have a one-year extension, but uh, with, uh, as you mentioned, the election uh, coming up next year, and a host of other challenges that are still going to exist in, in Congress. Um, I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of farm groups and certainly Farmers Union, we're going to be pushing hard to try to get our leaders to take action uh, early in the year, hopefully uh, within the first quarter. Well, and I know, too, uh, some of those other challenges, we have this stair-stepped approach to keeping the government open with a January and a February deadline. And so I know that's going to be one of the big challenges in front of us uh, beyond the farm bill. I mean, we got to keep the government open first here at the beginning of the year. And so uh, to your point, uh, it seems like they do like kicking the can down the road in uh, on Capitol Hill quite a bit. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, the, the spending bills that we uh, uh, still have to take care of early into the year, and certainly with agriculture, uh, the annual spending bill is, is going to be up pretty early. Uh, but I, you know, I think the we know what the issues are there, uh, and certainly we have strong leadership on those committees. I'm, 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 I remain hopeful that we're going to find a solution there, um, and you know, with the farm bill. Really, I think both leaders in the uh, the House and the Senate Agriculture Committees 
uh, they probably have, you know, that draft sitting there in the drawer ready to go, and they can make some changes to it. They can make some tweaks. Uh, but what they're looking for right now is a path where they can actually get it through on the uh, the House and Senate floor, and that is the the big question. Well, Rob, uh, we'll keep watching what happens with the Farm Bill here and more in D.C. Hopefully we can get some things done as we get into the beginning of the year because it sounds like the leaders in the House and Senate side and the Ag Committees uh, definitely want to get this done, so we'll be watching that closely. I want to talk about, though, I want to switch gears, go overseas. I know you're getting ready to head to the United Nations Climate Change Conference uh, over in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates here, and uh COP28, as it's called, this is a, this is a very big conference. And uh, talk about uh, what's going to be happening there and uh, what you're going to be doing there here in the next couple of days. Absolutely. Well, it's farmers and ranchers, right? We, we know that this climate uh, uh, conversation has been going on for a long time. It's certainly growing here in the U.S. as we have uh, you know increased kind of weather uh, severity and disasters out there. And farmers are facing that challenge firsthand. We also know as uh, farmers that uh, we can be doing a lot to uh, to mitigate and that provide the public benefits. So how are we going to get uh, some of these uh, programs and opportunities actually cover the cost of that? But really, there's a bigger conversation going on at the global level. And there are practices and uh, government action being taken in a lot of countries that are hugely detrimental to, to farmers. Uh, ranchers, we look at things that the Netherlands are doing right now, uh, basically eliminating livestock uh, agriculture, and that is not only not based on science, uh, but really wrong-handed in so many ways. And so one of the important things to do in these uh, global conversations is to make sure that farmers' voices are actually heard uh, there. And so. Uh, along with some other farm groups and uh, other farmers union leaders, including uh, North Dakota's uh, uh, farmers unions uh, president Mark Wadney, uh, we're going to be taking that farmer voice directly to the global conversation to make sure that U.S. leaders, uh, but also global leaders around the world, understand uh, not only the role of farmers and ranchers and the positive impact that we have, uh, but uh, be part of the conversation on solutions. Well, and you mentioned the uh, issues in the Netherlands, and I think that is a, a great case in point uh, to some of the challenges that are happening around the world uh, that, that farmers and ranchers are facing in terms of climate change. And, you know, carrying that farmer voice over to a, a conference like COP28, Rob, I think it all comes back to, especially here in the U.S., I mean, farmers and ranchers are the original stewards of our land. And I think it's extremely important to take that message to the world stage and try to find some common ground with some folks who don't see it that way, right? Absolutely. And here in the U.S., the climate conversation, at least in agriculture, has really kind of co coalesced, uh, creating a, um, a, a really good working relationship. Uh, for example, uh, American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall and I, I helped co-chair uh, one of those coalitions around uh, climate uh, response and agriculture, and it's really centered around making sure that we are focused on voluntary solutions, uh, making sure that they understand that one solution in one part of the country or one part of the world doesn't work for others, and that we base everything on science. So, on, you know, for example, livestock is a positive impact uh, in many ways. Uh, how can we make sure that those kind of themes of voluntary, incentive-based, um, and science-driven uh, is part of not only the ongoing conversation here in the U.S., but also at the global level. 
Well, we wish you safe travels over to COP28. Uh, I know it's going to be a great conference, and we'll have to look forward to having you back on the show to catch up on some of those conversations that you and others had there uh, here in a few weeks. I want to ask you, though, too, Rob, uh, before we uh, run out of time in this segment, it's meeting season here in the U.S., so not only are you having conversations halfway around the world, but I know over the next uh, few weeks ahead, we're going to be back here having a lot of conversations at the state level, a lot of uh, upcoming Farmers Union state conventions happening here over the next couple of weeks, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. I was uh, uh, in Oklahoma yesterday. Today I'm uh, uh, in Kansas. I'll be heading up to South Dakota uh, tomorrow and then over to Iowa. So it's definitely that that season. Um, and it's a great chance, obviously, to, to get out there and uh, talk to folks uh, directly uh, uh, make sure we, we understand what the more local uh, issues are at the time, whether that might be things like private property rights. We know the pipeline conversations, mm -hmm. uh, while they may have uh, changed tenor, uh, those issues are still out there. And obviously everybody wants to know what the status is on Farm Bill and so forth, but it's, it's a great time of year to really connect with uh, members out here on the ground. Rob, are those the, the big issues, the overarching issues that you're hearing at some of these conventions? Uh, you, you mentioned the pipeline uh, situation. I know that's been a, a big hot topic in states like Illinois, Iowa, and in North and South Dakota. Uh, is that one of the big things, overarching things you're hearing uh, when you talk with folks at these conventions? Well, certainly in those states where it, it has been uh, very much, um, uh, you know, part of the dialogue and the, and the, and the fight uh, here. And, uh, you know, so I expect that that's going to continue for some time. Mm -hmm. But I think surrounding states, um, you know, certainly, uh, even if it's not a pipeline, just making sure that we're not, you know, as we focus on farm bills, we focus on conservation programs and so forth. You know, let's not lose sight of uh, the fact that we want to make sure that our private property rights are protected as well. Um, and so there are a number of issues uh, like that. Um, you know, traditionally, we want to talk about the farm bill and so forth. But, uh, you know, sometimes we need to look uh, right in our own communities. Well, there's always uh, no shortage of things to uh, take a look at. And I know we'll be watching to see what some of those conversations are. And we'll look forward to get you back on the, getting you back on the show here, Sue, to talk about those. And wish you safe travels over to Dubai, Rob. Thanks for joining us here today on AOA. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. All righty. Thanks so much. Rob LaRue, the president of the National Farmers Union, joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. And, uh, Again, as he mentioned, he's busy traveling around the country here for all the state conventions and then get ready to head over to Dubai here uh, with COP28 happening. So uh, it's meeting season. No shortage of things going on here at home and around the world. And speaking of meeting season, the uh, National Graded Feed Association has their conference, their CEC conference, coming up here in just a few days in Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to talk about that and other issues with Mike Seifert from NGFA. He'll join us next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Back with more right after this.
Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains are mixed this morning. Corn and beans are down a couple of pennies. Wheat, however, is higher, led by Kansas City, which is sharply higher. Chicago is up a few pennies. Minneapolis is hovering right around unchanged. According to the CFTC data, investors have raised their net short positions in soft red winter wheat futures as of November 21st to the largest such position since June 6. Speculators also raised their bearish bets on hard red winter wheat last week to a net 48,347 contracts. That's up from 37,742 contracts the week before. About 91% of the winter wheat crop has emerged as of Sunday. That's ahead of the prior five-year average of 89%. And 50% of the crop was in good to excellent condition at the start of the week. That's up from 48% the week before and well ahead of the 34% that earned top ratings at this point last year. Soybeans are down a few cents this morning and continue to trade Brazil's weather. Moisture stress is expected to expand to nearly 50% of Brazil's soybean belt in the days ahead. as combined with above normal summer heat to add to crop stress. Rains are still favored to return to center West Brazil in the 6 to 15 day period, although the overnight models reduced amounts somewhat. We have seen this before where the forecast promises something, but it doesn't verify. Long-term rain deficits are still expected to persist beyond this week, although the anticipated increase in rainfall is expected to reduce yield loss risk for the region. Meanwhile, though, rains are returning to Argentina with the expectation that they will reach most remaining dry areas by the end of the week. This morning's 16 to 30 day outlook from Commodity Weather Group shows below normal rainfall for areas of southern Brazil that have been persistently wet for much of the growing season so far, while rains continue to improve in drier northern areas of the soybean belt in center west Brazil. And crude oil prices were about 1% higher earlier, however, they have pared back those gains. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit adoptuskids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. <sighs> hey. <laughs> We're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. 
Keeping America's Farmers and Ranchers Informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by our friends at Cenex, Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. You can find your everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Find your nearest location in many places. It's right around the corner, or you can go to Cenex.com for more information. I know we're working to connect with Mike Seifert from the National Grain and Feed Association here on AOA to talk about their uh, Country Elevator Conference. It's their 52nd annual CEC uh, conference and trade show coming up here December 3rd through the 5th in Louisville, Kentucky. And we're going to hopefully connect with him to talk about that here in just a second and also talk about some uh, logistics after harvest here. How is rail doing, et cetera? So uh, I know we're working to get connected with him on the phone here on the show today and also uh coming up here we're going to take a look at some news headlines got a few different things we're watching in agriculture that we're going to keep an eye on uh here and talk about coming up in segment four today all right we do have mike seifert now the president and ceo of the national grain and feed association mike great to have you back on aoa with me hope you're doing well I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, and uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to you and all your listeners. Well, the same to you. Hopefully you got uh, your fill of turkey and uh, sides and, and all that stuff like I did, Mike. And, uh, uh, pro- probably lot- too much. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm probably the same, probably too much uh, here as well. But, uh, you know, good food. You can't let it uh, you can't let it go to waste. You got to get as much as you can. So great to uh, talk with you again here, Mike. Let's uh, catch up first on CEC, the uh, Country Elevator Conference, a trade show, 52nd annual one. As I was uh, mentioning at the top of the segment, going to be happening December 3rd through the 5th in Louisville, Kentucky. What can folks expect at CEC? Talk about it a little bit for us. Well, I think first, you know, it's one of our premier events of the year. We have three big conferences, and this is one of them. And the first thing I'd say is that you know we're going to have folks from throughout the industry, and and it Country Elevator is still the name of the conference, but it really is much broader uh, and, and covers a number of segments of the industry and our members. And we're going to have. Um, total attendees there. We're, we're expecting between attendees and exhibitors over 500 folks, um, actually expecting to have one of our highest, if not our highest attendee level since at least 2018. Um, and we're really going to focus on a uh, great opportunity for networking, trade show, but uh, really focusing on what are kind of some of the key issues that we've heard from our membership uh, over the past year that they'd like to have some more insight on. So we're going to have Dan Bossy with Ag Resource kind of giving us a 2024 um, Ag Economy and Trade Outlook. Um, we're going to have a Sarah Wyatt, Sarah Wyatt from AgriPulse uh, giving us an update on what's happening in D.C. and the D.C. policy update, which uh, God bless Sarah for trying to explain that to anybody these days, I think. Um, and then uh, Ken Erickson. Uh, who's the managing, managing director of Polaris Analytics and Consulting, going to give us a transportation update. Um, and then we're going to have uh, Mark Rusberg, who's chief meteorologist at USDA, giving us a weather outlook, El Nino, um, an AI update from Jake Jornstad uh, of Bushel, uh, something we're getting a lot of questions about of, of you know, how to use AI in, in your business or should I be using it uh, in, in the business. And then we're going to have some breakout sessions focusing on ag labor, 
um, which we hear a lot about um, from our members. There's, I've been at NGFA about three years now, and probably nothing we hear about more from our members, um, regardless of size, since I came on, is the ag labor issues. And then we get a lot of questions both from outside our membership and within our membership uh, of the outlook for soil oil and what's going to happen with a lot of the crush capacity that's coming online or that's been proposed to come online. So going to dig down into that um, and then also uh, dig down into some of the challenges um, in the insurance sector right now. And so really going to be a, a broad scope of issues, but uh, really focusing on some of those key issues that we've heard from our membership over the last year that um, they'd like to get more insights on. Well, a fantastic lineup, as you said, kind of a broad scope of issues there and no shortage of uh, great folks speaking and great information. And uh, to your point, some of those issues that you're hearing from your membership here over the last year, I think a lot of those same issues kind of speak to what is you know the broader conversation among farmers and ranchers as a whole outside of the you know elevator and grain merchant industry, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Everything from the farm bill and what's going on in D.C. to what's happening with the markets and the ag economy to, as you mentioned, A.I. There's there's so much going on right now that uh, we're trying to make sense of and understand. Right, Mike? Uh, that's exactly right. You know, I was uh, I was home at the farm uh, out in north central Kansas right before uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. And, uh, you know, talking to uh, all my friends out in the area and the producers in that area. Um, I could have just made up the CEC agenda, I think, while, while I was sitting there visiting with them and having coffee, because it is, it is the, really the, it's the same issues um, all the way up and down the chain, all the way from the farm um, up, up to the processing and the export markets, I think, right now. Well, I know you uh, mentioned ag transportation was in there, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit more with you here on the show today. Obviously, we're uh, post-harvest, I'd say, at this point. I, officially, we still got like 3% left to go or 4% left to go on the corn harvest, but I'd say we're done. I'd say the uh, crop is in the bin here or, or moving to town. Rail, of course, has been a storyline the last couple of years. How are rail logistics uh, and, and other logistics looking here as we try to move grain uh, from the elevator to uh, ports? Sure. You know, what I tell, what I've been telling folks is that you, you always have a pocket here or there um, where you've got a challenge or a little bit of a hiccup. But I think if you look across the board um, at all of the class one carriers and, and at the entire rail system, uh, from where we were 12, especially 18 months ago, I think we're we're in a much better spot is what we're hearing um, from our shipper and receiver members here at NGFA. And, and I like to remind folks, too, that, that the Class 1s are also our railroads, are also our members. And But I think we are in a much better position. Um, and I'd say uh, part of that, I think, is you've just got reduced um, overall freight on the entire system. Um, you've also obviously got export markets uh, are, are down on the commodity side. But I also think there, there's been a real effort on, on the part of the Class 1s to uh, get crews back in place to, to improve on their logistics and to improve the overall service. And um, we've opened up a really good dialogue, I, I think, with all, all the Class 1 carriers. Um, and, you know, some things that maybe in the past we would have gone to the Hill or we would have gone to STB on, I think we're able to have conversations uh, amongst ourselves now and, and to make it work. And, and, you know, and it is something we want to work. I remind folks, I think uh, agriculture uh, represents about 17% of their shipments, around 25% uh, 
uh, of all the grain and oil seed movement in this country moves on rail at some point. And, and when you look at the, the shuttle cars uh, moving grain and oil seeds and then the processed commodities, we're talking, I think, upwards of nearly 3 million rail cars a year that are moving. And so it's a system that, that has to work for the shippers and the receivers and, and the railroads as well. And uh, like I say, not, not that there's not hiccups here and there, but I, I think we're in a, a much better spot uh, on that than on rail than we were uh, a year or so ago. Obviously, uh, I think we're we're in a better spot on trucking, you know, from what mm-hmm. we hear from our members as well in, in terms of getting trucking. I'd say the challenge that's still out there is, is the river. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, we've had water levels over, over the fall here. The one thing I would say is, is that we we've probably not heard as many concerns from our members in terms of shipping the bulk uh, grains and oil seeds this year for two reasons. One, again, um, export markets are just down on the, the competitiveness side, but uh, what our members have also told us is that um, the Army Corps saw this coming this year, and so they had pre-positioned equipment, and they've had the equipment in place to to really they were dredging ahead of time and have continued dredging. Um, and our members have really given kudos to to the Corps for seeing that coming this year, and uh, have felt like we're we're in a much better spot on that. But again, your volumes are also down, just like on rail, um, due to the export situation too. We're talking with Mike Seifer, President and CEO of the National Grade of Feed Association. And Mike, to your point there about the river system being down, but having some some good uh, bright spots on rail and trucking, it's nice to have a, an overall logistic supply chain system that where when one kind of falters a little bit, the other two pieces can kind of pick up the slack, right? That, that's absolutely right. You know, and for a lot of for, for a lot of 2022, I felt like I needed to be uh, carrying around a three-headed fire extinguisher because it, it seemed like it was rail, it was river, and, and it was trucking all at the same time. And 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 we do have, really have seen some improvements on, on the, the rail and the trucking side this year that, that have helped to ease some of what we're seeing on the river. And, and again, I, I think the river as a whole is probably functioning, even with the lower water levels, better now than it was you know last fall. Well, Mike, uh, before we run out of time again, great thoughts as always. And I know earlier we were talking about CEC coming up here December 3rd through the 5th in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm sure if folks want to learn more, maybe want to make some last-minute plans uh, to attend, ngfa.org, probably a great place to start and get more information, right? Absolutely. Uh, All the information, registration info and everything is is on our website, which you just had there, and we would – Love and welcome uh, anybody to join us in Louisville. And I'm sure if they're interested, they can probably find some good bourbon too. That's a, that's a great point. That's for sure. <laughs> NGFA.org for more information on the 52nd Annual Country Elevator Conference and Trade Show, CEC 2023, happening December 3rd through the 5th in Louisville, Kentucky. Mike Seifert, President and CEO of the National Grain and Feed Association. Mike, it's always great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us today on AOA. Thank you. Have a great holiday. And we appreciate the time, as always. Again, Mike Seifert there with the NGFA joining us here today on the program. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at news headlines before we wrap up the show. More fallout from the recent uh, dispute settlement ruling between the U.S. and Canada on dairy uh, tariff rate quotas. We're going to talk about that and other stories coming up next as we're back with more on AOA. Brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Back with more on the way right after this.
Hi, I'm news correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term, got your six, means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries. While serving, their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on. And we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyoursix.org. That's gotyoursix.org. Using the number six. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids right here in our own backyard are facing hunger every day? Without healthy food, it's harder to grow, to thrive, to feel their best. The impact when children don't have enough to eat is tremendous because when you're hungry and your basic needs aren't being met, you cannot learn. Every child deserves to be fed. This is a problem we know how to solve. Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Breakfast in the classroom contributes to kids being more focused, which leads to higher grades, and simply just their well-being. Thank you! Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Great uh, conversations here on the show so far today. Mike Seifert from the National Grade of Feed Association in that last segment. Before him, Rob LaRue with the National Farmers Union and kick it off the show with Garrett Toy talking markets uh, with Garrett from Ag Trader Talk. So appreciate uh, all three of those gentlemen joining us here on the program today. Let's take a look at some news headlines before we wrap it up on this episode of AOA. Well, hearings to modernize federal milk marketing orders. They've resumed with a lot of work ahead. Roger Cryan, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, talks about where the hearings are at in the schedule. What's happening right now is USDA's resumed the hearing that broke in mid-October that went on for eight weeks before that. There's a hope to get that done in these two weeks. Right now, the topic is class one and class two differentials. And there's a long set of witnesses to go over a lot of details for national milk's proposal. And I expect another long set of witnesses to go over the Milk Innovation Group's proposal. Cryan says there is still one big topic left to cover, and that's price differentials. Well, the big thing we're looking forward to is presenting on our proposal to raise the class two differential, which right now is 70 cents per hundredweight. And we are proposing to raise that to $1.56 per hundredweight. And I look forward to USDA recognizing that the logic of their decision from order reform means that they really should be increasing the class two price for the benefit of farmers. He says there is still a long way to go in the FMMO reform process. If the hearing doesn't wrap up by the end of next week, which it probably won't, they're almost certain to pick it up again in January, which is, of course, another two months delay in moving things forward. Every additional month it takes to finish the hearing is another month that's going to delay the eventual implementation of this thing. If everything moves really swiftly after a January completion, none of these things are likely to take effect until at least the beginning of 2025. So it's a long process. You can learn more online by going to fb.org. Well, to take a look at retail fertilizer prices, they were a mixed bag again during the third week of November, according to sellers surveyed by DTN. Average prices for five of the eight major fertilizers were lower compared to last month, while prices for the remaining three fertilizers were slightly higher. DTN designates a significant move as anything 5% or more. 
Now, one fertilizer had a notable price move compared to last month. UAN 28 was down 6% looking back to last month. The nitrogen fertilizer had an average price of $338 per ton. The remaining four fertilizers were down just slightly. DAP had an average price of $713 per ton. Urea at $570 a ton. 10340 at $583 a ton. And UAN 32 at $402 a ton. Three fertilizers were just slightly higher in price compared to last month. MAP had an average price of $811 a ton, Potash at $512 a ton, and Anhydrous at $833 a ton. On a price per pound of nitrogen basis, the average urea price was $0.62 cents a pound, Anhydrous at $0.51 cents a pound, UAN 28 at $0.60 cents a pound, and UAN 32 at $0.63 cents a pound. Well, we talked about this on yesterday's program, Canada's win against the U.S. in a long-running dairy quota dispute under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Well, it's prompted one senator to call for retaliation. Opening Canada's restrictive dairy market to more U.S. products was a key reason for negotiating USMCA. But now that the U.S. has lost its fight over Canada's tariff rate quota system that it claims unfairly favors Canadian producers, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley was asked if USMCA is worth the paper it's written on. Yes. But uh, it depends on whether the administration is willing to take counteraction against uh, some product coming from Canada to show our dislike for it. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. Retaliation could be challenged also, but Grassley defends it. This decision is a huge loss for American farmers. And I think we had 89 senators vote for the USMCA. And it was because of its potential to expand dairy markets access to Canada. And it's disappointing the Biden administration could not do more during the dispute panel to show how these quotas harm our farmers and in violation of the USMCA. Now at the American Farm Bureau, Senior Director of Government Affairs Dave Salmonson is not ready to give up on USMCA. The plus side is we have continued mostly tariff-free trade and that trade continues on a daily basis. So that's the big plus. But along with trade, you get trade problems, and we've got uh, this problem with dairy. Now, Salmonson says that USMCA has a built-in review mechanism that calls for a refresh in 2026 when he expects the U.S. dairy industry to again raise the Canadian quota issue. Now, meantime, a USMCA panel could rule late next year on the U.S. case against Mexico's decree against GMO yellow corn, which Salmonson says was put off while Mexico looks for alternatives. And I know that that's another issue we're watching closely with USMCA and uh, Senator Grassley's comments coming from the Ag News Wires. And uh, he is uh, scheduled to be on the show with us next week here on AOA. And I know that's something I'm going to ask him about again, just to get some more clarification on his thoughts on uh, USMCA with this uh, ruling in the uh, dairy quota dispute between the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and maybe we'll talk a little trade overall as uh, we've been watching the Biden administration not necessarily opening up a lot of new free trade agreements. And so uh, that might be one of the uh, topics we focus on with Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa next week here on AOA, among other things. So uh, looking forward to that conversation coming up here in uh, just a, a few days uh, here on AOA. Uh, a couple other news notes before we run out of time. An economic research service report shows the full impact of African swine fever in China, and the impact was likely more than Chinese officials reported. The agency's report investigated how China's reduced pork supplies affected other pork exporting countries. The virus moved from Europe to China and spread rapidly throughout the country. 
leading to a 30-month cycle of decline and recovery between 2018 and 2021. China lost an estimated 27.9 million metric tons of its pork production during that 30-month cycle. Now, pork prices in China more than doubled, with most of the increase occurring about a year after the initial outbreaks. A total of 31 countries saw surging pork exports to China during the down cycle. Impacts on pork markets outside of China were relatively modest. Increases in pork prices in leading exporters like the U.S., Germany, and Spain were relatively brief and much smaller than the price increases in China. And also the National Corn Yield Contest Harvest Entry Deadline from the NCGA. That's been extended to Tuesday, December 5th, so you have a few more days. Contest participants can submit a harvest entry uh, from now until December 5th at ncga.com slash ncyc. And this year's winners will be announced on December 13th. All right, we're out of time here on AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex, Max Brown Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Give to the V Foundation. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at V.org. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. 